Welcome to the Fierce Fiduciary Podcast. This podcast focuses on financial planning and investment topics. Our goal is to help you make better financial decisions. We are fierce advocates of fiduciary advice. What does fiduciary mean? It means that anyone who advises you should always put your needs first. We hope you get some value from this episode. Thanks for listening. Standard housekeeping, anything on the Fierce Fiduciary Podcast should not be considered individual financial planning or investment advice. For that, we recommend you consult your own properly registered and licensed professional. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. This is episode 29 of the Fierce Fiduciary Podcast. I'm Brian Beasley and with me again is Dan Albert. Good afternoon, Dan. Good afternoon. The audience for today's discussion includes parents with adult children or adult children with parents that are living. So we're talking here about end of life caregiving, and this is a touchy, touchy, delicate, sensitive subject, but it's an important one. And if you even clicked on this episode, uh, good for you, because most people would be avoiding this topic like the plague because it's so uncomfortable, but we're going to do our very best to do this topic justice and hopefully we can add some value in some sort of a gentle and compassionate but effective and motivating way everybody has a unique experience everybody's going to have their own situations and their own family dynamics we just want to provide some thoughts here and considerations for you to think about going forward as you're looking at your own situation and your own family dynamics and maybe help you navigate this situation. For this episode, there are two basic main takeaways that we'd like to get across here. The first thing is let family members be family members. Let family be family and let the caregivers be caregivers. The second is if you have the financial wherewithal and you're going into this caregiving, this end of life situation where you got to take care of somebody, get that professional help as soon as you can, sooner than you realize. A lot of people would tend to try to put that off as long as possible whether it's financial or whether it's ego or whether it's just trying to help mom or dad stay at home longer. Um, but in our experience, we've seen, uh, we've seen, we've seen it work out both ways. And by far, it seems to make sense. It seems to work out most smoothly if mom and dad are involved early enough in the process that they can maybe make these decisions in advance, but also getting to assisted living sooner, making that move sooner rather than later. And it may not be end of life, like imminent end of life caregiving. It may just be, you need a little help. Maybe it's making meals or bathing or whatever, but sooner is better than later. And here's some early warning signs to look out for from a physical standpoint as I'm talking to adult children right now as they look at their parents, as you look at your parents. When you, they start having 
tripping close calls and they're physically struggling on their stairs and they might have a house where everywhere they go to, they have to go by stairs to get to inside their house. You know, you don't have a nice ranch where everything's on the main floor. If there's always stairs and uh, you notice there's shuffling of feet, um, that's a sign where you may want to start having a conversation if you haven't. And just be aware that with that physical deterioration, there may be, it, it may accelerate into the future and worsen. I mean, really the last thing you need is a fall over and over and over again. A fall can be a real major problem because there's a fall, there's a broken bone or worse, a broken hip or pelvis. You're laid up for months on end. And while you're laid up, your muscles atrophy even further. And then just getting, getting back from that tends to be a, a very difficult climb. The other word, early warning sign uh, from a memory cognitive standpoint is when you're talking with someone and you've got to repeat yourself about three times in a, within a 10-minute conversation. You're talking to mom or dad and you're sitting down at the kitchen table and you're just chit-chatting. You're talking about the day. You're talking about events to come or things that happened in the past. If you find yourself repeating and the conversation gets kind of circular and you've got to repeat yourself three times, that's a pretty good indication that maybe there's something going on. Now, I'm not a doctor or anything, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm using this as uh, it's just an early warning. It's just a sign that maybe you ought to have somebody qualified have a look at things. Maybe evaluate what's going on with you, or maybe evaluate what's going on with mom or dad. Maybe it's see, time to go see the doctor. Yeah, just see if there's some a memory issue, or if maybe there's some other medical thing going on. So there are some warning signs, uh, and and as adult children step in, what's it like to even be a caregiver? What, well, if it's okay if I just circle back to that yeah, cognitive please. thing. I mean, it's. We've heard stories or maybe we've had experiences with situations where the last straw was somebody was going somewhere or they, they literally thought they were in a different decade or something's like more severe than that. And when you're talking about these things like just repeating your the same topic three times in a 10 minute period, we hear about those kind of early warning signs less and less often because people tend to want to just kind of like well, maybe they maybe you're just having a bad day, or maybe you're just kind of confused, and so there's a tendency within families to kind of like set that aside and not really like be alerted that that might be an early early sign, and you probably don't want to wait to get care or get things looked at until it's really obvious because somebody might be hurting themselves accidentally, or they might, you know, uh, you might have a situation where somebody's in a car and they're not able to be driving a car and they might hurt themselves or somebody else. You want to pick up on these early signs. You don't want to wait until the obvious one where they walk in a room and they don't even recognize you anymore. And this isn't going to happen to everybody. This is just for those people that have those situations. If you having a cognitive thing going on, 
pay attention to the little signs also. And, and mom it, and dad who have been married for 30, 40, 50 years, they tend to cover for each other very well where they won't necessarily know that there's something going on because they do such a good job completing each other's sentences and they're not really aware and and they just do a nice job you bring up a fair point there you've got a situation where um both mom and dad are together and they're able to cover for each other and they fill each other's gaps where you really have to have your antenna up as a child an adult child is if you have a situation where dad's a widower or mom's a widow and they're living alone I tell you what, if, if you're not there, you don't really know what's going on. Sometimes they'll tell you everything's fine and they're basically sitting still all day long, not doing anything. And that will cause yourself, your body and your mind to atrophy. So you just got to really, really pay attention to that kind of stuff and even have conversations earlier than you need to. Or even before any of this even starts, just to have an open family conversation about these these topics and these issues and that find out what preferences are and what people want. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that communication open early can be helpful and it is a potential reality. It's not something that necessarily happens to every single family, but, um, you know, odds are good. I mean, it's about one in four, one in three families have somebody needs some sort of a long-term care need after age 65 that lasts longer than the 90 days that Medicare will cover. So just need to be aware of those possibilities. So what's it like to be a caregiver? If you're thrown into it, it can feel like uh, being thrown into the fire. If you're just all of a sudden you have a situation like, for instance, uh, earlier we talked about uh, somebody falling and breaking their hip. And that could be a really devastating injury for an elderly person. They're very slow to recover. The muscles atrophy. And that could start a steep decline. And if you're an adult child stepping into that situation, it could be like a roller coaster uh, where you've got so much to handle. You've got to take care of your own situation and on top of what's going on with your ailing parent. And, and that could be taking care of the house, paying bills, making sure medication is uh, taken going to doctor's appointments and it, it can be really really emotional and that emotion depending on who you are or the situation that can impede your action it can also create inaction on your part so you can walk into this thing and you may be just scared and not know what to do and here I am mom's in bed and I got to try to take care of her. I don't know what to do. Things can change day to day or moment to moment. Um, if there's a disease such as Alzheimer's that we're dealing with, there's a progression that could be very, very, um, as you're in it day to day, uh, you may not see the progression yet. A week from now or a month from now, all of a sudden, you've got to really step up the amount of care that you're providing to this person. 
So it could start off where it feels fairly manageable. You're just helping out here and there. and Do the dishes, helping to prepare meals. Yeah, and, and once in a while, that's not a big deal. You start doing that day in, day out, and then all of a sudden a, a switch flips, and now you're managing two households' finances. You've got two calendars because now you've got doctor's appointment visits and things like that. And you're trying to figure out how do I juggle my job with my existing family, with my own household responsibilities, and now I have all these other responsibilities on top of that. That, that can be, I mean, it just sounds paralyzing and overwhelming. It can become, it turns into crisis management. Uh, a new day brings new needs and a growing list of things to do. Well, what kind of things are you talking I mean, you, You've talked a little bit about the handling the day-to-day household stuff, but what are some other things? I mean, if things go to the next level, what are some of the other things that could be? Taking care of the household, cleaning, cooking, laundry, yard work, shoveling snow in the wintertime paying bills, all of that household maintenance stuff. That's one type, one level of caregiving that you might provide for somebody. Another is dealing with healthcare issues where you may be attending doctor's appointments with your mom or dad. Just being a second set of eyeballs, taking notes, that kind of thing. Monitoring medication Mm. and that sort of thing. Another form of caregiving is just providing companionship and being there to comfort them, have a quiet conversation, watch TV together, just be present. Just filling a social gap. Yeah. Because they're not seeing, they may not be seeing anybody talking to anybody very often and having that interaction could be helpful. Another is taking care of what are called activities of daily living or ADLs, ADLs. That's a, an industry term, but uh, those are, if you start encountering issues where you're not able to perform those activities of daily living, that's really when a long-term care need, it becomes present. So and what are, what are some examples of these activities of daily living as defined by the, the industry, as you, you said? One is eating. Is the person able to eat and feed themselves? Bathing. Uh, taking a bath or showering, brushing their teeth and grooming themselves. Are they able to do that? Uh, Getting dressed and getting undressed, changing clothes, toileting if they're able to get themselves to the toilet, clean up afterwards and and get removed to where they were before. Uh, Mobility, which is the ability just to stand, sit and walk around, and continence, which means you're bladder control and your bowels control. So with regards to becoming a caregiver, you may need to, you as the caregiver may need to help in those various areas. And that sounds like a long list. It is. It is. And it can, it can be, I, I, I'm thinking dehumanizing, but I, I don't want to say that, even though I just did. Uh, it, it can, when you start becoming a caregiver and you're, I'm a son, I have a mom and dad. If I'm helping mom or dad with their toileting needs or helping them take a bath, my relationship with them starts to change. Their relationship with me starts to change. And if I'm required to be that caregiver for my mom and dad, we may look at each other differently 
uh, I may start looking at, at them as a patient rather than as my mom and dad, where if I didn't have to deal with that and there was somebody else who could handle some of those chores, then I can remain the son and I could have those conversations and talk about pain and ask for guidance and do the things that a, a child does with their mom and dad. You also can think of your extended family and friends who are stepping up outside of the household to provide assistance to you. So for example, me, the caregiver providing care to my mom and dad, I may be neglecting my own household. I may have other children who step up to take care of the house in my absence and having neighbors come by in the wintertime and shovel snow and prepare the cars so I don't have to, it, it turns into a big community of caregivers, and you shouldn't neglect the fact that there are those people out there providing help and care for the caregiver to allow the caregiver to provide their best care to the person in need. It's exhausting work. Uh, caregivers need to protect themselves from fatigue and to stay strong and healthy, both physically and mentally. You can handle one one-nighter from time to time. Uh, back in the day, I, I wasn't very good at all-nighters at college, but I had to do it for every once in a while uh, with the studying. But just imagine doing it day after day, and after two, three, four days, it gets really, really and It may not even difficult. be an all-nighter. It could be just... You're getting your sleep's getting interrupted in the middle of the night two or three times a night. You do that for weeks on end. You know that's just not something that's sustainable for most people. I mean, in, in many cases, we see professional situations where somebody's being cared for at home. You know, it take, may take multiple people each working a shift, a full day shift. It's a full time job times two or three, depending on the shift, right? To do if you're dealing with all of these things, so it's a very different thing when you're in the home caring for them physically with those activities of daily living versus driving them somewhere to run errands or going with them to take notes and be a second set of eyeballs at the doctor's appointments. I mean, that's one level, but by the time you're helping somebody transfer from their bed to a chair, to the toilet and back, it's, that's a whole nother level of, of not only, like you said, the relationship's different, but also there's a physical exertion. You can only run on adrenaline for so long. That, that's there. That, that, and, and oftentimes by the time somebody needs care, we forget about this, but the caregiver is rarely a physically fit, robust person in their 20s or 30s. Usually, oftentimes we'll see people who are caregivers and they're in their late 50s into their 60s and even their early 70s in some cases. So they're in no shape physically to be picking mom and dad up out of a chair or a bed, moving them from a car to a chair. I mean, it's, it's a challenge. So here are some final thoughts here to wrap up this conversation. Number one, like we said in the very beginning, try to let family members be family members and let those caregivers be caregivers and try to get professional help early. Some people are naturally gifted and God bless those people. Some of those people can just are awesome caregivers and they could just jump into it and take it on and God bless them. If you or your family are called upon to be kid caregivers, lean on each other's strengths and try to minimize your weaknesses. 
I'm good with numbers. I, I can help pay bills. There, you may find some people who are really good with taking care of household things. You may find other people who have very little difficulty with taking care of the bathing or the toileting, and they can address those issues very calmly, competently, and with as little stress as possible. There are other people who completely shy away from that. And you know, some there's sometimes there are people that, hey, you've got a to-do list. Hey, I gotta go out and buy groceries. I gotta cut the grass. I gotta do some vacuuming. And you can have people do those things as well and not be immediately there on top of the person needing the care. Time spent planning and communicating with family early on and establishing resources will pay dividends to families a thousand times over for those caregivers providing end-of-life care. You've heard this elsewhere, but proper prior planning <laughs> prevents poor performance. It's, it seems so obvious, but it's also a very difficult topic to bring up with mom and dad. I mean, you see each other and it's a holiday. You don't want to talk about that on a holiday, but that's when everybody's there and it's really challenging. And it, you don't want to make a, uh, I mean, I guess you don't want to make it, make it into some gigantic problem for the family to have these conversations, but you just need to make sure everybody knows the lines of communications are open and that you should be able to talk about these things and plan ahead because all you're going to do is you're making life easier on your kids if you're the parent, maybe you're the one that needs to be the be the person that steps up and says, hey, kids, we need to have a talk because I, I know you guys might be nervous about bringing this topic up. So we're going to have the conversation. Come on over and I want we want to talk about these things and figure this all out and have a plan in place. If this, then that. And you're not going to have a, you know, it shouldn't be a list 100 miles long, but at the same time, you want to have a clue about how everybody feels about these things. And who's willing to do what? Who's capable of doing what? And in many cases, mom and dad may say, you know what? No, you've got three kids in college and and uh, a, a child in middle school maybe. And you've got a lot going on. And maybe you don't have the time or energy. Or you're too far away. But you need to figure these things out. Because you don't want to have to be figuring it out in the midst of being stressed. And that's no fun for anybody. Once again, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Please subscribe. Please like. Please comment. Please find us on social media. We are at Fierce Fiduciary. You can also Google Fierce Fiduciary Podcast and find us anywhere. Dan, you're at from Facebook. I'm on Facebook. At Dan Alberth. Dan.Alberth. And I am at Brian C. Beasley on most platforms. We also participate in some Facebook groups. If you're looking to have a deeper conversation there about various things, there's a group called Investing for Beginners. And then Dan and I host a group called Investing and Financial Planning that provides some educational and learning material. So once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.